Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Anthony, a 66-year-old cisgender male with past medical history of hypertension, type 2 diabetes, and BPH, presents today for his Medicare wellness visit. The year has been challenging for Anthony as he has been reporting the stress of the pandemic and how hard he's worked to avoid getting sick, among his other risk factors. He reports that, I need to be around to see my grandchildren grow up. Anthony asks what some of the things he can do to keep himself healthy. Upon review of his chart, you discuss with him the importance of prevention. You order a screening colonoscopy, some blood work, and discuss vaccines. Today, you offer him the influenza vaccine as well as the pneumococcal vaccine after explaining that they're the best way to prevent pneumococcal illness. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Marianne Montague, a clinical instructor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, UMass Chan Medical School. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Okay. Boy, pneumococcal vaccine, um, I love the fact that they're getting better and better all the time, but uh, their their immunization schedules um, are, are something that require constant attention. Before we get into the vaccines, can you talk about pneumococcal illnesses that are typically seen in adults and children? Sure. Um, I agree. It's something that we need to make sure we're focusing on as providers. I would say that the diseases that we see with with pneumococcal are pneumonia, bacteremia, sinusitis, meningitis, otitis media are the common ones that we see in adults and children. In the United States, we've had a significant burden of pneumococcal disease. Prior to 2000, we really didn't routinely immunize against this, which we saw an increased burden in invasive pneumococcal disease in children. Since then, we now routinely immunize, and in children primarily, we've seen a significant improvement in deaths, because prior to that, we had about 200 children die a year from IPD invasive immunococcal disease. With that being said, we've seen a huge decrease in the burden. It's been estimated that we have 150,000 hospitalizations annually for pneumococcal pneumonia. In 2019, there were approximately 3,250 individuals in the United States who lost their lives to pneumococcal meningitis and bacteremia. Wow, those are pretty startling numbers, 150,000 hospitalizations and over 3,000 deaths in one year from a preventable illness. Reminds me of a few other infectious diseases we're currently dealing with. So we know that pneumococcal disease has been a major cause of morbidity and mortality in the U.S. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of trying to lower that risk and, and what we can be doing moving forward? Yes. So, you know, we have the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. So one thing that we can do is their goal is to 
promote immunizations against preventable diseases, such as invasive pneumococcal disease, like we've been talking about. In 2014, there were recommendations that came out for this, and it recommended that adults 65 and older receive vaccine with pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, which we call PCV13, and then the polysaccharide vaccine, PPSV23. Also in 2012, it was recommended that individuals 19 to 64 who were immunocompromised, that they were recommended to be vaccinated as well. In addition, um, it was discussed in Mor- by the article by Morga, Morga. It discusses that the major issue in the past with immunization was compliance. This is interesting. So in reviewing what we did historically, it happened that we need to really improve our compliance with vaccinations. This can be done by looking at ways to increase health education for providers and having a simplified vaccine schedule. We often as providers get caught up and our support staff are looking at vaccines prior to visits, but by us educating and speaking with our patients, we'll see an increased compliance in those who are vaccinated. The other thing is we need to make sure as soon as somebody's eligible that we're discussing this and offering the vaccine to them. You know, it it is so true. The different recommendations announced at different times of the year lead many providers to just think, oh my gosh, I'll just rely on some external tool like your EHR or otherwise. And and it's really... um, it's really the being overwhelmed by the different schedules and the different bits of information. Uh, so I couldn't agree more. A preventable illness that if we gather and use the information uh, simply can have, have a huge impact. I know last fall, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met and gave updated guidelines in this area. Can you tell us what the current guidelines are? Yes. So the current guidelines are all children younger than two years old should receive the PCV-13 at ages two months, four months, six months, 12 months, and 15 months. Now, that's children under two. For children two to 18 who have chronic illnesses such as chronic heart lung, kidney disease, diabetes, HIV, CSF leak, cochlear implants, cancer, sickle cell, chronic liver disease, and transplant candidates, they should also be immunized with PCV13 and PCV, sorry, PPSV23. Great. All right. Tell us a bit about what we should be doing for adults. So for adults who have been who have received the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine that's the PCV13 they should receive our new vaccines the PCV15 or PCV20 if they're 65 or older or if they're 19 to 64 with any of those chronic illnesses including also alcoholism in adults if they receive the PCV15 though It should be followed by the PPSV23 one year later. So this is a lot to remember. And as a provider, when you're going from patient to patient, 
And as you mentioned previously about our EMR systems, Frank, I found that it's helpful that if you check out the CDC app, there is a very straightforward app. It's a pneumorex, and you can just plug in the patient's date of birth and what they have, and also if they have any of those chronic illnesses, and it lists them out right there in the app, and then it'll give you the recommendations and schedule for the patient. It's great to think that there's an electronic tool to help because as you went through that that bit of information about who needs what and when and if they get the 15 versus the 20, it, it is too much for my feeble mind to remember on any given day. Um, how else can we improve opportunities and compliance with the use of pneumococcal vaccines? So I always have learned that we can't improve if we don't look at our history. And our history shows that compliance is a huge issue. So as Schultz discusses in in his article, where are our greatest opportunities for growth and our greatest opportunities for that have been missed in the past? Those have been in the outpatient setting because there's less frequency of visits. So patients are coming to the outpatient setting. It's our role as healthcare providers to make sure that we're assessing their needs, assessing what they need, and also filling that education gap, educating them on the importance of why we need to vaccinate, why this is beneficial for their health, and then also telling them what the latest standards are. Another way that we can fill these gaps is by when we have our flu vaccine fairs, making sure that we also couple them with pneumococcal vaccines because they both can be given together. And then making sure providers have education and also talking about the to patients about the disease burden of invasive pneumococcal disease so that we can help reduce this. 150 hospitalizations and 3,000 deaths are enough to motivate me. Marianne, thank you so, so much. A complicated issue. I appreciate your succinct um, review of this information. It helps clinically and professionally. Take care now. You too, Frank. Practice pointer. It's estimated we have 150,000 hospitalizations annually from pneumococcal pneumonia. It's important that we vaccinate and reduce this disease burden. Join us next time when we talk about some newly found adverse effects of chronic marijuana use on IQ and memory. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.